Well, we, this next two weeks before school starts and all our college students get back, are going to do, isn't it two weeks? Oh, okay. All right. Just making sure, because I don't know most days, so it's, it's, I'm just taking your help. Um, are going to kind of wrap up our outreach type sermon series, start our fall sermon series, and lump into that our normal thing at the beginning of the semester where we talk for two weeks on the vision and mission of our church. So it's going to be like all those three into one, which is great. Accomplish so many things at once. So the fall sermon series, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to start. I'm going to launch right into this. Here we go. All right. In fifth grade, believe it or, <laughs> believe it or not, I was a kid, uh, a pretty cool kid. Just kidding. I was kind of a nerd-ish guy. No, a nerd's not even fair. What was I? It's more like a loser. Uh, a dweeb, yeah, I don't know. We had a lot of cool, better words back then. Anyway, I remember liking a girl who was in fifth grade, and she was like way above uh, my level league. Her name was Catherine. Um, but thankfully, as time go- went on, I became hotter, and she became less hot. And <laughs> she became weirder, and I became a little bit cooler. So you know how that works out when you like someone when you're really young and, you know, uh, but until that point came in high school, there were some other transitions I took in my identity, okay? So by sixth grade, um, I had, at the end of the year, listened to this uh, talent show where a bunch of eighth graders got up and played Sweet Child of Mine from Guns N' Roses. And that was like my first experience with what I would call classic rock. And it was amazing. I was blown away. I didn't even know that there was a band that sang that song. I, would, I just heard them singing. I'm like, these guys are brilliant. It's the best middle school uh, uh, you know, talent show ever. And I went out and bought my first parental advisory CD, Offspring, back before they were like terrible. That first CD was really edgy, right? Before it was uh, pop. And that was, that was the beginning of my skater years, sixth and seventh grade. I started being a really cool skater. The funny thing about skating is I was actually never, ever good at skateboarding. It would take me another, let's see, I don't know how many years in college to actually finally get a skateboard and pretend like I wanted to learn. Um, and, uh, but anyway, I was a skater. I was a skater until about eighth grade, and I kind of fell out with that skater crew. And then ninth grade, I kind of started to get into the football crowd, even though I had, you know, was pretty scrawny. And the football crowd at my school were like a whole bunch of rich, but like redneck country music listening kind of folks, which is really weird. So I became uh, a pretty cool redneck, steel-toed boots, listening to country music. And that's only about a year and a half. Trust me, guys. I... This is the worst year and a half of my life. <laughs> Listening to country music still, still, okay, has scarred me to this day. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I would go to these big concerts out at Dow Stadium, listening to con- country music and doing other things related to being a redneck country uh, person who really comes from middle-class suburban Plano. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, fast forward, I became a Christian, and I don't really know, I wasn't really anything towards my, like, senior year, but then I got to college, and I decided to play the good ministry boy. I was a good guy. I had a lot of integrity. I remember graduating, people, like, telling me, like, man, you're a really good guy, you know? uh, You've got all this integrity, and I'm like, man, this is, like, the last time in my life I ever heard that. Um, (laughs) Went back to graduate school, became a smart professor, taught, you know, for a decade, the professor, the smart one, you know, that kind of thing. And now, currently, uh, I'm the sort of rough blue-collar worker slash savvy businessman. Um, So what's weird about that is that the whole ministry role 
Minister is never kind of factored into my identity. As I was actually thinking about my identity changes over the years, uh, it's interesting that the, the minister role is not one that I would, um, would think of as being really central to my identity, at least not my, um, you know, kind of professed, uh, you know, identity, the one that I wanted people to see. Well, that's a whole other issue. But as you can imagine, what we're going to be talking about this next semester is identity. I was going to call this uh, series Christian Identity, but apparently there's a hate group neo-Nazi racist group called Christian Identity. Uh, so just uh, forgive me when I use that term. I'm not in any way referring to that terrible group, okay? Um, but this uh, fall, we're going to be doing a sermon series on identity and talking about what is identity? What is Christian identity? What does being a Christian mean? Not so much theology, but from the perspective of how it changes how I perceive who I am and I perceive the world around me. And one of the main ways I'm going to do that, we're going to do that, is by talking about classical figures throughout the uh, history of Christianity, from you know, Old Testament figures all the way up into you know, um, scholars today all around our country, people who are sort of uh, theologians, have written, have talked about their own life, and how they can, you know, uh, conceive of themselves or think of uh, themselves. All right? And so that's kind of what we're going to be doing, uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, if you have any uh, thoughts about that, that's great, particularly what kind of class we could teach in addition uh, to that. But let me just give a quick primer on it, maybe five, ten minutes, and then uh, we'll move on. I think as the years pass, so, you know, I'm talking to two major groups here. Those of you who are college students whose identity is still somewhat up in the air, it's not too fixed you can do things and change very quickly. And then another group that's beginning uh, you know, to graduate, become an adult, be, uh, more of an adult, I don't know, real world, whatever. And your identity starts to kind of get firm and sort of unchanging. And the Christian identity part becomes less exciting because you have so many of, of those years sort of under your belt. And if you're not actively thinking about it, uh, work, family, all of these sort of newer identities can take over that Christian identity if it's not being refreshed and uh, you're not thinking about it. We tend to uh, take on identities that are simple and less complex, particularly identities that are ascribed to us. We're sort of just born with them, right? So, you know, I'm from here, I'm this color, I'm a guy, I'm a girl, I have this sexual preference, that kind of thing, identities that are sort of fixed, and latch onto those because they're pretty simple. They're not always very nuanced. Christian identity is really, really nuanced. It's complex. It takes a lot to think through. It takes a lot to believe. And we tend toward liking the simple, the oversimplistic identities uh, rather than the complex ones. I remember I was watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Is that the right way to say that? Just Queer Eye now? We're not doing the straight guy part? Okay. Reboot. Change the language. Sorry, I'm not up to date. That's true, as, as the reference I'm about to use. So, uh, Chelsea has made me watch it a few times. It's very good, actually, the episodes that I've watched. In one episode in particular, there was a lumberjack lesbian, okay? And she just, that's the term that she was going by, right? And what was really cool about this particular episode were these guys were saying, listen, this is sort of like a really simplistic and reduced identity that you've taken on as lumberjack lesbian, okay? The fact that that's even a term, right, is kind of like, what? Um, and the whole point of the episode was to try to help her understand this identity that you've kind of narrowed yourself into doesn't have to be an over or all-encompassing identity. 
You can be who you are without having to label yourself and be fine with, uh, you know, all of these nuances to your personality and your identity. But it was just an interesting show uh, because that's really what it was about, was helping her become much more open to a wider environment of, of identities and not just this sort of very specific and reduced identity that she has. Now, people can do this with Christianity too, but generally speaking, like I gave you all of my identities, those were very simple, reduced identities that helped me kind of figure out who I was in those various time places. Anybody else have some pretty cool identities that they had throughout their, their uh, childhood uh, and uh, high school years? I want to hear them. Let's do it. Boy Graham. Scout. Boy Scout identity, yeah. Did you ever make it to Eagle? Yeah. Ah, dang it. <laughs> like Eagle level one, maybe. Like Eagle white belt. I know, I'm just kidding, sorry. <laughs> All right, Graham. Sweat. What does that mean, man? I was sweaty and I was like a potato. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Others? Interesting identities? Yeah, that way. Panic at this go. Wow, yeah, music phases, yeah, sure. See, music like mine, that was music. All of you are like, yeah, yeah. Did you all have the same panic at the disco phase? Okay, great, good, excellent. Any others? Uh, being labeled an Oreo. Uh, Oreo? Yeah. Okay, labeled an Oreo. I was one of the only white guys in all Mexican class, so I... How do you know they were all Mexican? Could it have just been Latino? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say they were from what? Okay, as long as you checked, man, I'm, we're cool. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight against that. I mean, go with it, man. All right, yeah, others, yeah. Okay, that sounds kind of cool, though. I don't know. We're all talking about not so cool ones, and then you come in with like, uh, I don't know, Olympian. So I'm not for sure. Say it again. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I could, I could have said. Cool rollerblader. Yeah. Yeah, right? Emo. Yeah, we got to try to hide that stuff. Ben. Oh, yeah. Camouflage guy. Heck yeah. Oh, man. See how fun this is? Uh, you know, again, as we grow into adulthood, these become less funny and obvious, and we don't play around with them as much, but still very much those identities are kind of in our head. And if there's one thing you have to understand about being a Christian is that too often Christians use the Christian identity as one badge among many identities. But, but God didn't design us to do that. He designed us for one true identity that's all-encompassing. And so that's what we want to talk about this semester is really how to think through um, you know, that. Now, I want to make a few statements that are really quick statements just so you can kind of think through and, and uh, spend some time uh, kind of reflecting on this, if you will. Identity is pretty different than individualism, right? The whole idea of the word identity actually in the Latin just means sameness. The idea of identity is not about finding your unique identity. That's individualism. Identity is actually about finding where you fit in and belong. When you identify something in nature or something like that, you're trying to figure out how it's similar to a whole lot of other stuff around it, right? Identical twins, you guys get the point here. Identity and individualism have often been interchanged in our society, but they're, but they're really different, uh, at least as I would see it. Identity can probably best be defined by how you see yourself 
and then also why you see yourself that way. And throughout philosophy, uh, identity has been both about understanding how people perceive themselves, both the real and the fictional, and where they got that idea, the other whether that other is a you know, strong force of nature, or a force of you know, religion, whatever it is, where they got the idea of identity, okay? And one of the really nice things, I think, about the era that we're in, the, the modern era of thought called postmodern thinking, is people have revisited the importance of religion as a part of identity. Uh, during the modernist you know, sort of time frame, we tend to thought of our, our identity as something just natural that just comes from wherever, and it's not something we can control or think about, and that was really not helpful for a lot of our secular um, building and developing of our identity. But now we've got people who are much more interested in thinking about their own identity. We've got people who are healthily rediscovering what does it mean for me to have good self-esteem, healthy self-esteem, uh, and really think of myself in true and right terms, right? And some of that's because of counseling and some of our, uh, 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 you know, kind of new developments in psychology and things like that. But that's what we think. We can think of this as deep desires, consistent, uh, you know, personality traits, unchanging characteristics. Identity is simply who, how do I see myself and, uh, you know, why do I see myself like that? Whereas individualism, right, is an, a specific emphasis on being unique, and accomplishing things over and above how we conform and what opportunities we've been given, all right? I know this is a little academic, and I'm sorry. It's me. I'm apologizing. I'm working towards the, you know, getting rid of that uh, professor identity and working on the rough blue-collar identity, right? But I don't know if y'all are going to want that because that's going to be crazy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so identity and individualism are not the same. Individualism is really an approach to living and behavior that we can argue on its merits or not. Identity and having identity and really understanding your identity is a very scriptural idea. In fact, the whole thing in my mind that sort of propelled modern Western culture to think about everybody as being equal and having an identity is not individualism. It's how much emphasis the scripture places on individual identity and how everybody images God in their identity. Every single person shares an image of God as their basic identity. Everyone. Poor, rich, black, white, Western, Eastern, doesn't matter. We are all, all humans made in the image of God, which the image of God is not explained very well, uh, but we know that is the most fundamental and basic identity trait of a human being. Well, guys, that changed everything. Because when we were talking about people as property and animals and a, very, a variety of other things, they had a lower identity by nature. And the fact that now we are all on the same page with this imago dei, deo, dea, I don't know how to say it. I'm not that cool. Um, is incredibly important, okay? So the Bible talks a lot about identity, guys, both the identity of the church, God's identity. Anytime you see you are, okay, you are the holy priesthood, you are friends, these are all identity claims, identity beliefs. God is telling us who he is and who you are as a result of who he is. And so there's so much in scripture that talks about identity and who we are. And... 
it's often difficult for us to come back to those things when we have a variety of other sources telling us who we are and how we ought to perceive ourselves. And also when we have this natural inclination in our society to be really practical, we want to know how to do things, we want to know how to accomplish stuff, we want to be individualistic and, you know, move forward. For us to just take a step back and think, this is my identity in God and as a Christian in Christ. And, uh, and that's what we want to do. We just want to spend some time reminding ourselves of who we are. And a lot of the things that you, uh, you know, will find a part of Christian identity are really hard to believe and sometimes very complex. Uh, but we want to talk through that and, and kind of figure it out. So where does this fit into the vision of our church and, you know, outreach and, and things like that? Well, I just have one more statement and, and I'll sort of hopefully uh, make sense of that. Our mission as a church is to make immature disciples to the glory of God. All right? Uh, some of you <laughs> have asked me what passage that's based on uh, and tried to look that exact phrase up. Well, as it, as it turns out, it, the phrase is actually of our creating, kind of. It's from Matthew 28, right? But you're not going to find to the glory of God. You're going to find, you know, baptized people uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's just easier to be able to kind of put that to the glory of God because at, at the core, the Trinity is the glory of God. I mean, that's the amazing thing, is that in this relationship, God has given us himself, given us the spirit, given us Jesus, to make full certainty that we're going to be aware of his character and who he is, all right? So, our mission as a church is to make immature disciples. Well, one of the things I've noticed over the years is we spend a whole lot of time on the making and maturing part, all right? And again, that goes back to this sort of action, and we want to be practical, and we want to do things, but guys... The whole point, the whole making a maturing disciple leads to the identity part in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church has been often accused of making disciples of its denomination or its church culture or its leadership structure. Jesus, in talking to the Pharisees, you know, you travel over land and sea to make a comfort and make convert and make him twice the son of hell you are. That's got to be the worst, one of the worst, uh, you know, statements, insults Jesus could have made to them. So what does it look like to really make him mature disciples? What's always about making him maturing disciples to the glory of God, which is about drawing people to God's identity and letting him make them in his own image, fully in his own image. So this is really important because I think often um, we in our uh, maybe uh, attempts to mature people, to make disciples, we do a lot of behavior modification. Maybe we're saying they're lonely and we want them to have friends. Maybe we're saying they have bad habits and we want them to get rid of those habits. And all these things are really good. But if you simply do these things that sort of help people become good people, friendly people, successful people, and never really allow God to root himself in their mind and heart with an identity, then ultimately they're just sort of playing the game of the skater or the, you know, country redneck without really identifying what the core tenets of those things. And that means they're going to switch from one thing to the next as soon as one cooler identity comes uh, along the way. And so one of the things I think in, in this mission of ours is we've got to kind of go back and figure out, particularly in our day and age where we've lost a lot of some of these basic concepts, what does it mean to really identify uh, with God as a Christian? And I think in outreach, this is really pretty cool 
because so much of outreach tends to focus on getting people to a point where they believe something or understand something sort of apart from who God is. But the core of the gospel is simply getting people to believe in the identity that God has said is already in them. I've imbued you with this identity. Do you believe it? I mean, that's really what the gospel is. It's about trusting that God is the only identity worth pursuing. And I think this opens up a lot of great conversations and outreach as we talk about how people think of themselves, which people love to talk about that. Where did you get that idea? What are you into? Uh, Because we just all have these sort of identities. uh, And more than any of that, one of the things we'll continue to come back to and talk about is it's so important to talk back and, and, and make so much of our outreach about God's character. Who is God? Because if we're going to draw any kind of identity, we're going to have to draw it not from just the scripture and the various characters in it, but the very character of God. Who is God? And one of the things I think I have the most difficult time with talking uh, in outreach particular is talking about God as a living being as someone who is doing things and has character. It's so weird because we spend so much time talking about each other and about other people, even in their absence, right? They're not there, but we're talking about them. But somehow we can't talk about God as sort of like a, a being that actually has any kind of character and actually works or acts or things like that. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have, and hopefully in this sermon series we'll be better at... Uh, Uh, doing that, talking about God in very personal terms, and in ways that aren't so weird and uh, lofty, but but, um, experiential and make sense of who God is. All right, so that is my primer on our sermon series, and who knows what I'll talk about next week before we uh, hit the big show, you know, when all the students come back, uh, you know, and uh, things get crazy again. Questions, thoughts about that, or are you good to go? Last week, we had weird questions and thoughts. So I'm going to make this one really pointed and good. Apparently it was weird. No? Questions, thoughts? This is kind of a thought-provoking sort of sermon. Yeah? In regards to what you just said. It's in regard. Regards is something you do at the end of a letter. I'm just kidding, man. I got that in an email even more terse than that from my dissertation chair. That's it. That was his only email. didn't even respond to my email. I was like, all right, cool. So I never forgot that and have tried to kind of like take the hurt that I felt, pass it on to everyone else. But for the rest of you, regard, in regard to, regards is something at the end of a letter. Dude, every time he renames someone, every time he even, uh, you know, slightly renames someone, he's changing the identity of how they see themselves. Right? One of the biggest examples is Peter from the small rock to the big one. So there's a lot of those in the Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, it happens all the time. What's weird about it is that we don't have in our memory too many of those. It just goes to show that we don't tend to think about identity much. We tend to think much more about behavior, action, what should I be doing, or theology, you know, how God works and things like that, but not really in terms of identity. But just, just type in you are, that's it, in uh, Bible Gateway, and you know, you'll have to scroll through some because some of them are, yeah. But there's just a ton. There's a ton of those scriptures and passages that talk about, particularly the New Testament. Um, Paul, in, in particular, um, uses a lot of the UR language to give us identity in Christ. No? Any others? Thoughts? Questions? 
And there's a lot of good books on this, by the way, if you're interested. Um, some of them are pretty dated and kind of classical books, but uh, we're not, we don't tend to be really, really super interested in identity today in our culture just as a, uh, kind of a general rule. But that was, that's not at all, uh, has not always been the case at all, even a little bit. Um, and uh, so, anyway. Yeah, one more. In regard to those books, <laughs> uh, could you give some of those titles? Sure. So, there's, uh, so let me just give you two that I think are pretty formative. And they're both difficult reads, so if you want to find something that's a little bit less difficult, um, reference, uh, so if you type in those books in Amazon, they'll give you uh, what other people are interested in, and then you can kind of read through the reviews and figure out less technical books. So one of the oldest ones, or classical ones of our generation is uh, written, it's called uh, Birthright, uh, Christian Do You Know Who You Are, by David Needham. And then one written by the Regent folks uh, last year, which is super interesting, is uh, Christian Self, A Cultural History of uh, Christian Identity, or something like that. It's written by Proven and Rick Watts and a bunch of the Regent folks. It's very long, it's very historical, but it's actually really good. And some of that book is how we'll do our sermon series. They go through from Abraham all the way to some of the uh, African church fathers of today and go through just how these people see themselves and their identity. Um, anyway, I don't, you know how I am with book titles, right? So um, I don't know. I think maybe something like, mo- oh, Modern Self, A Cultural History of Christian Self. Modern Self. I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Just write it down and look. I mean, come on. I'm not, not going to remember later to post these books and stuff. It's not that hard. That, that one's Regent. It was written last year, and it's written. So there's a really famous book by Charles Taylor and uh, philosophy about modern self and identity, and, and these Christian authors basically respond to that uh, and, and kind of take it a little bit further. All right? Other uh, Christian? Maybe one more comment, question? Yeah, it's like basically spot on. <laughs> Come on, dude. It's like, I mean, what? I got like one word wrong? I mean, who even knows? All right. Uh, yeah, anything else? That wasn't really a question, so. No? All right. Well, we're going to take communion, and uh, we've got some juice and bread, and uh, we'll take that together um, here in a moment. You know, when we think about Jesus... Uh, the author of Hebrews at the very beginning basically says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. There is no better representation of the true identity of both God and who we ought to be than Jesus himself. And that's what makes the New Testament covenant such a big deal, is that finally we, we the mystery of God's identity and who he is and the I am, who used to be just the I am, is explained in one person in a time period, and allows us to really, really, truly understand identity. And, uh, and Jesus' identity is not re- reduced. It's not simplistic, even though so many Christians have made it so. It's nuanced. It's difficult. It's complex. It doesn't easily fit into our neat time frame and, you know, what a good person would look like today. And so we've got to kind of look back to him to figure out, is this the truth? Is this who God is uh, really? And if it is, is this who I can, you know, actually get on board with and see that this is my entire identity? And so it's, uh, it's important, and, um, you know, I think that's one of those things that as we celebrate uh, Jesus' death and his life, uh, we often forget 
um, to celebrate exactly what the meaning of Jesus is for us today, which is we get to know exactly who God is, okay? And yeah, he did some things for us, absolutely, that were very, very important, but the lasting legacy of that is we finally get an understanding of, of who God is. I'll say a prayer, and then we'll take communion, and then we'll come back, and I think uh, we've got just a few more songs. Uh, Lord God, thank you for uh, explaining yourself to us, for approaching us, drawing us to you, and uh, taking the initiative, even though we don't deserve it, even though on our own uh, we can't fully accept you. Thank you for um, answering a mystery uh, that uh, many people still don't know has been answered, um, and many of us often don't live as if it's been answered. And I thank you for uh, the ways that you've revealed yourself to us as a church and to the people in here, and just ask that this series would be transformational to us. Uh, that it would really make us think differently about our role and place uh, in the world that we're in now, in the society we're in, and uh, uh, would really transform our relationships with each other and with the uh, community outside the church. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.